As Anna said, I'm Andrea Young. I was recently appointed Regional Director-Designate of the Commissioning Board, so one of about 30 people, I think, currently in the new Commissioning Board system, but hopefully to be joined quite quickly by uh, some others um, and that we have a team around us. The things that I wanted to talk about this morning is how the new system should work and as we were talking about earlier Stephen, Anna and I is we have created quite a complex set of system changes and a complex number of organizations to interface with. Um, pay a bit of attention to the relationship between CCGs and the commissioning board. How will that operate and how do we work and collaborate together in order to drive the best patient care. And then thirdly, to say a little bit about the challenges and opportunities in bedding down this new system and things that we need to be mindful of, but also the things that actually, if we're really going to crystallise some of the benefits, we need to bring about early. I suppose I should say that I think what I'm going to be saying are my personal views. Um, I haven't come with a script and I haven't come with the single operating policy of the commissioning board, but they're about my views as I understand the role and also actually as I have got to know the 50 CCGs in the south of England. And I think one of the important messages to get across today is that we're not starting with a blank sheet of paper. We are on tra we are in transition. Transition's been going on for rather a long time. But what it means is we're not moving from one point in time to another point in time. There has been a gradual process of evolving this new system, and we are some of the some of the way through that. So we're talking about bringing in a new system into play and the complexity and challenge that that in itself presents. But I also think it's quite important to focus and it's one of the messages I talk about to staff when they're thinking about what roles they might play in the new, in the new service is actually a lot is staying the same. And it's really important to remember that a lot stays the same. So in terms of what we're trying to achieve and what we want to deliver, those are fairly constant. They are around making sure that the service is fit to meet the demographic changes that we have in population and in profiles of health. They are about recognising that financially we're going to be, see constraints in the NHS. The prediction, as the Nuffield Trust indicated last week, is this doesn't just go away at the end of 1415. In fact, it ramps up. So the culture and some of the ethos that we've already moved into in the last couple of years, which is trying to be very clear about the link between resources, investment and improvement and outcome, really st stays the same and still needs to pay attention. We need to pay attention to it. But then thirdly, we are in the second third year for some organisations of quick programmes and we've got a lot of learning that we can take from the things that have gone well things where people have tried to actually pull off some big efficiency and productivity changes and may have sort of knocked back or not quite generated the kind of gain that they were looking for. We have a lot of learning and a lot of practical experience of trying to change pathways, reduce non-elective admissions of frail elderly people, manage care in different settings. So we need to just recognise that we're not starting with a blank sheet of paper at the start of next financial year. We are on a transitional journey and there is a lot of when I when people say well, I don't quite know what I'm going to be doing in 12 months time I'll be saying well actually it's going to be pretty much the same as what you're doing now but 
What is different? Well, what is different is structures, organisations, the leadership and the kinds of people that we need to relate to. And I think there is a fundamental difference as well, which is where does authority lie in the new system that I want to talk a bit about. In terms of setting up these new structures, I don't know how many people in the audience are involved in setting up these new structures, but we are some way down the track. CCGs are formed, as Anna said, the early first wave are going through authorisation processes, have submitted their paperwork and you know, are on the way to becoming accredited as membership organisations and authorised, ready for receiving budgets for next year. Um, the Commissioning Board is starting to populate its structures, the NHS Trust Development Authority, Health Education England. So every week, I think, quite importantly, information's coming about and we can start to see visibility of some of these new organisations and leadership. And just staying with the commissioning side of the system, we've got commissioning support services, we've got managing directors in post across around uh, half of the organisations in the country and actually CCGs are recruiting staff as we speak. I have a number of people involved in sitting on appointments panels of appointing accountable officers, appointing chief finance officers and whole structures sitting behind CCGs. So we are building the system right now as we speak and I think it's going to be really important that we are able to talk about that with people and that they can see it. They can, they build this, we start to build confidence because people can see these organisations beginning to take shape. The public can see these organisations starting to take shape. And also, more importantly, we all know who we've got to talk to in order to make the system work and to deliver the plans. So we are building the new system now, we are in the middle of transition and I just want to spend a few minutes reflecting on uh, the benefits of um, having clustered and I recognise this is a sort of managerial perspective but 18 months ago if you'd have said to me, you know, oh actually in order to manage resilience over the next, over the period leading up to the change we were going to cluster all the PCTs and SHAs and I'd have thought, crikey, more change on a system that's actually really trying to gear itself up to deliver big changes in 12 at the end of 12-13 but actually there have been huge benefits of moving to new geography early and let me just reflect a bit about that so as a consequence now for example in my own patch of operating across the south of England I do have a personal relationship with all 50 CCGs in the south of England from Margate to Penzance I know every single one of them I know who's getting appointed as accountable officers I know who's getting appointed in their structures I also know because I signed off every single one of their operating plans for 12-13 what risks are inherent in their system I also know their level of understanding about those risks and their capability and capacity at the end of quarter one to be able to deal with those. I also know the performance of all of those systems. So when we kick this new system off next year, there'll be many, many people like me who already have operated with the new organisations and have a sense we're not starting with a blank sheet of paper. We know where the risks are. And one of the things that my team have done is provided a, a very good sort of map 
which actually shades where the risk in the system is. So, you know, if I'm to give you some examples, obviously we've got risks around some troubled provider organisations in the south of England. You know, what's the level of maturity that the CCGs understand what that risk is in the provision side? And what level of planning have they already got in place? So let me give you an example. East Berkshire, Slough hospital there that is up for taking capacity out over a three-year period and the GPs for CCGs in that area all signed up to a three-year plan now about phasing in change over time that enables that provision side to stay sustainable and make the necessary changes. Now that's at one, one example. There are other examples where the federation isn't working quite as well, where the capability of the CCGs isn't there yet, and actually them understanding that they're part of a system and will need to work together isn't quite there. But we know all of that now. That's not something new that we've got to learn in 13, 14. We know the level of capability, we know the level of inherent system risk, and we know the level of relationships between the CCGs and some of the trusts as well, and those that are working well and have actually through PBC, been working well in the past and where there is respect and, and trust. So I think the point I want to get across is this isn't a, a seismic shift. Actually, it has been a transition. And one of the advantages of having clustered early, both for PCTs and SHAs, is we're starting to develop those relationships and an awareness of risk and uh, degree of change that needs to happen in each of the constituent areas. I was going to say something as well about authority. So I think what is very significant is that currently it's, we do have a very top-down system. It is very um, hierarchical, although people can do different things and uh, can buck that from time to time. But in the future, it's going to be very difficult for any one part of the system to have authority and control over another part of the system. And we will require a, degree, a huge degree of collaboration and agreement to use our authority collectively in order to drive change. And that's an important point I want to come back to because I think that's very different. It's a very different culture, very different style of working than we currently have. And just quickly, in terms of the structures and organisations, I think it is, it's been really important during this time to talk to staff about where they want to see themselves ending up in the new system. So a lot of people say, well, I can't decide till I go to the CCG or the local area or Public Health England. I can't quite decide and I haven't got all the information in front of me to make all that decision. I think it's really important that people do think about where they go in this new world because each part of the system is designed to uh, work differently and requires different strengths. So I don't think this is a lift and shift, as the terminology describes. I recognise the HR issues that go with that, but I think it's really important that people elect and choose and really reflect and think about where in the system they want to be. It's going to be very different working alongside a CCG to working inside the local office and the regional office. I'm encouraging people to think about, you know, what is it they enjoy doing on a day-to-day -day basis and what are their skills and strengths, not just where's the slot they best fit into. Um, so those are some of the things that are going to be different.
Talking about the relationship between the commissioning board and CCGs, so what's different to, for example, the relationship I have now with CCGs? I'm currently the Chief Operating Officer for the South of England, responsibility for performance planning, so I have a direct relationship with the CCGs who've currently got delegated budgets and responsibilities around delivering QIP. Well, one of the things that's going to be different is uh, this notion of a single conversation. So the idea that the commissioning board, through the operations function, which I'll be leading in the south, all the conversation with the commissioning board and the CCGs is conducted through the operations function. That's actually a huge change from now. If I reflect on some of the time as a PCT chief executive, where I thought I knew where my organisation was going, I'd set the direction alongside with some GPs and staff and patient groups but actually, you know, 31st of December suddenly would come out something from the Department of Health saying, oh, we're now going to do 24-hour primary care. And, you know, by the way, you have to commission it in 12, uh, in 12 months. Or sort of, you know, things that would cut right across in terms of priorities and uh, new instructions from the department. And some of the challenge that that poses, actually, as a leader in terms of then trying to frame this new initiative that you're having to do within the context of your overall plan and strategy. So I think the single conversation, if we can stick to it, is going to be important that GPs know that when you speak on behalf of the commissioning board, you speak with one voice, that they don't hear different things from different people, that they're not asked to attend to different issues from different parts of the commissioning board and will require a degree of discipline that um, is going to be quite interesting to watch. I think the other thing is that very early on we need to work with the CCGs to understand how our control of direct commissioning and their control of the 80 billion needs to be best brought together to achieve mutual and collective success and I think that's an early conversation. I think we need to be clear about what we expect from each other and I think these are conversations that need to happen in the autumn. And in fact, we are planning seven major events across the whole of the region where we want to get Public Health England, all the local representatives of the new system together to be able to talk about what's their expectations, what would an early plan look like, how are the relationships going to work and what can everybody expect from each other. So those are, those are conversations that need to happen very early. The clarity on roles and responsibilities is key. I think not to fudge it. I want to be very clear with the CCGs about what I do expect from them and likewise they need to be very clear about what they can expect from us. And I think one of the principles of ensuring their success is to have direct, honest conversations, to intervene early when people are getting into trouble and to be very open and honest about the degree of risk and the scale of change that people want to, want to address. But I do think it is important that we build on the energy. If we think about all the noise that's been around the Act, I think it's actually quite remarkable that we still have 223 leaders who are prepared to move forward with this degree of change. And my view is that the Commissioning Board's responsibility is to enable them to be as successful as they possibly can and to deliver some of the things that we as commissioners have hitherto struggled with, but to bring the benefit of our experience to enable them to do that and learning. 
So I don't want to sound too rosy-hued about this because clearly there are lots of inherent risks and challenges and I know that will come out in the questions, but actually I couldn't be leading the creation of the commissioning board without trying to look at, an, at this in an optimistic way and say actually there are opportunities to be realised. And what I was just going to finish on is... Um, unfortunately, Sam's not here today, but I was probably the second commissioning manager who put my hands on the Bromley by Bow scheme. I think probably another six put their hands on it after me before it actually came to completion. And one of the interesting things about Bromley by Bow is it was a fantastic vision and a fantastic project. 18 years ago, it was derived out of London Implementation Zone money. So let's talk about some of the constants, you know, driving care out of big, expensive London hospitals into the community. It did not come alive, that scheme, until somebody like Sam Everington joined it and breathed life into it. So it was a great vision, a great plan. It had money behind it, but actually Bromley by Bow did not become the centre it currently is now until you know one of our best clinical leaders stepped into it and uh, made it a reality and an exciting place to be. So I think there's lots of opportunities to improve our execution of change with clinicians, and I'm looking forward to the challenge. Thank you. Thank you.